you've come to the right place. If you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program, I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Vova Feldman. He's from Freemius. He also has a brand new podcast coming out at plugin.fm, which we're going to talk about in a second. If you're listening to this on your podcast, it's already out. Go check it out. If you're watching the live or the replay of the live, uh, the podcast launches on June 6th, right before WordCamp Europe. Vova, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Really excited I, to be here. Yeah, I, I love interviewing other podcasters because it's just super easy. <laughs> and uh, and WordPress entrepreneurs like yourself, because I really kind of know uh, or just live in the same world or similar world to you. Uh, but tell us about the story of Plugin.fm, the new podcast. What's it about? Yeah. Who's it for? Tell, take, take us to school. Absolutely. Uh, so I've been just creating an intro episode yesterday, so I'm pretty fresh on the materials. Uh, basically, it's something we, we wanted to launch for uh, many years already. Uh, and we've been looking for actually the right host. I'm not going to be the host of the podcast. Mm. We got Patrick Rowland, who is an e-commerce and product marketing veteran. Uh, many people know him from Linda. He is uh, doing some courses there in the space. Uh, so it's been in making for many years. Uh, it goes, you know, uh, along with our content, what we're producing already on freemius.com slash blog. Uh, the focus is on providing uh, educational, you know, content, super focused, narrow for indie developers and software product companies. Um, and we want to, you know, on, Every week, we'll basically have a guest uh, that has something unique in their experience and something that, you know, I personally love to learn, right? And if I would have a personal conversation with that person, I'll probably dig about that topic. And we dive like deep into, uh, into the topic, discussing, you know, the journey, the learnings, the insights, everything that person had gone through and, you know, to help the listeners, other indie developers, software product companies, basically to implement those strategies, learn from the mistakes that have been done already, uh, and launch and grow their software product business. That's awesome. I'm really excited for it because you have a proven track record of making great content. So the at Freemius, uh, I remember participating in a series you did, I think around, it was with CEOs or well, was the, you did one on acquisitions. A Experts Corner. Experts that Corner. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you don't just make content, you make really good content. And like you said, thank you. Uh, you, you, you're interested and you like learning. So if we're making content that we also like to listen to, you're definitely like hitting a nerve there. Um, for those that haven't heard of Freemius, can you tell us what Freemius is? Sure. Uh, so Freemius is an e commerce platform for selling software online, which means that we provide the entire infrastructure uh, for indie developers and product makers that selling software uh, to take, you know, so they can focus 
on their products and we take care of everything else, which means payment, subscriptions, licensing, distribution, marketing automation, affiliate platforms. Um, and we also act as a merchant of records, which means that we take care of all the sales taxes, the global sales taxes, which is a pain in the butt to deal with these days, different regulations and liabilities. This is something on us. And this way, you know, uh, product companies can focus on their product rather, on the, rather than on the e-commerce infrastructure. That's awesome. That's a valuable resource. I highly recommend it. If you're thinking of launching a plugin business, you have so much to do uh, to figure out all the licensing and the e-commerce and everything else. It's You're providing a valuable service to the community and that's much appreciated in the space. I wanted to ask you, because of your optics on at Freemius and with all the great content you guys make, what patterns are you seeing that successful companies do across sales, marketing? Like basically, if you could share some things, I know this is a broad question, but what, what works well? Like what patterns do you see in successful companies that are using Freemius? What are some trends? Absolutely. It's a pretty common question, you know, and okay. I think this is one of the things that we're trying to kind of educate partners we work with. I would say, you know, it depends on the background of the people that running that plugin theme SaaS. Uh, there is a spectrum. Many times it's a developer that it's, they're very like feature and product driven. And on the other side of the spectrum, there are people that are, you know, coming from the business background. Maybe there are marketers, whatever. And 99% of the times, the people who are coming with a business background are more successful. As simple as that, because the developer kind of persona, they're not spending enough time on thinking about, you know, the uh, parts that actually make a difference in terms of the bottom line. And they're more driven to create new features, solve new bugs, you know, because that's their passion. Uh, so as part of what we do is we're trying to encourage developers kind of, you know, get out of their comfort zone a little and start to think about the other things that maybe they don't like doing, but that's what actually makes a difference. And making money, you know, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but it, it is important for everyone because in the end of the day, your customers will benefit from that. You know, the more successful your company will be, you'll have better support, you'll have more staff, uh, you'll add more features long-term, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the company will be sustainable. Uh, so, you know, many times we're hearing from the, what I call them the basement developers, those that, you know, just want to build features is that, no, it's like, this is probably too, too much to, to charge and all of that. And they're kind of afraid to take money from people, uh, because they don't want it to be perceived as, you know, doing something that because we're also in the open source ecosystem. So money and open source is kind of, it, it gets these conflicted kind of feelings. Um, but again, this is kind of part of our role to explain them that it's actually good for them to make good for them and for their users and customers if they will succeed. I love that. Do you have like a story you could tell maybe from one of your interviews or just your time in the community where a certain company or founder or marketer is doing, you know, is embodying some of the, 
the business side that you're talking about and did a good job making money or making more money or figuring out how to scale their business? Yeah, we, we had many times where we identified uh, developers and products that were significantly undercharging for various reasons, either because the geolocation of the developers in a country that, you know, it's not in the US, it's not in Europe. And from their perspective, it sounds that they're like charging enough, but looking on it from like the Western eyes, it's like undercharging, they actually hurt you because, you know, sometimes like you are, you get some perception when you look at numbers, right? So encouraging developers, uh, plugin owners to increase their numbers many times does the job. This is one thing that we're seeing, um, in truth, you know, moving, obviously moving away from like lifetimes, lifetime sales to also doing subscriptions, annual or monthly, encouraging developers to do trials. I mean, they're pretty, pretty much kind of knowing best practices, how to sell online and specifically how to sell software and what are the mechanics that are working. Uh, and we're bringing them, you know, and sharing them with the developers to kind of open their eyes and also explaining them, you know, and adding some data because we have access to data, why we think it may work for them. And we can really know for sure, you know, there's no guarantees in this stuff, but if you don't experiment, if you don't try, uh, you won't win, you know? So you, you have to, like all this stuff are always dynamic and you have to keep experimenting uh, and see what works. If you are advising a new plugin company or theme company or soft, indie software company, but let's keep it in WordPress. Um, sure. What would be like a floor price point? You mentioned, you know, someone might come in out of the gate and charge $29, which is probably too low. Like what in US dollars, what do you see? I know it really depends on the product, but what's a good floor? So actually the 29, $29.99, that's the minimum amount that yeah. we recommend for annual subscription. Okay. Yeah. Because if you put it below, you like, it looks as if there's like a catch, you know, exactly. Like yeah. something is wrong here. Like someone is trying to rip you off and, you know, will disappear or something like that. Uh, so yeah, but again, it, it depends on the type of the, you know, the products that you're selling, uh, the billing cycle, right? So for monthly $29.99, it sounds legit already, right? Yeah. Uh, but if we're looking, for example, like a new industry that is developing is like template kits or all, all around, you know, those static designs. There are not like themes, but there are like designs. So those, because there is no like dynamic code there, it's like static JSON. And typically there's no like support load there. So you would expect to pay like lower price ranges there. So I would say that it depends on a product type, uh, but I can also tell you, and this is kind of interesting, I tweeted about it, um, I think in the beginning of the year, I, I ran some analysis for the year in review and I kind of checked, you know, what is the highest like uh, annual subscription of a plugin that we saw in Freemius and, and there are like pretty big numbers. I know that also, you know, Lifter LMS is also uh, pretty big, uh, but we, I, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was like 5k. Uh, either per month or for a year, I don't know. And usually the people from what we're seeing that are able to charge significantly more, they're not selling, you know, features or products that are selling solutions. 
And this is how they treat what they're selling. You know, the entire value proposition is wrapped into a solution, like solution for realtors, solution for dentists. And it's a combo, can be a plug-in, a theme, or a combo, whatever. But the entire mindset is like solution and value proposition, you know, and, and the pricing is based on the value that, that you get rather than the features that you're seeing. I love that. I think a lot about that, like selling a platform more than like a utility. Like if you can sell a whole platform for realtors or dentists or course creators or coaches or whoever, uh, that's really valuable. And it's okay to have a point solution, like a utility that does one thing, but yeah, keeping the focus on the customer and what they want and the value of that outcome makes a lot of sense. Give us some other marketing advice that for you and also just based on what you see within the community of entrepreneurs that you serve, what's, what works like either content or copywriting? I know it all works, but like what's, what's working for WordPress companies these days? Yeah, I, I think I would start with what I feel is really hard to crack, which is paid ads, you know, like yeah. I talk with, I think from the entire kind of business community and I know many people. Only like one or two people are able to actually make it work with paid ads. <laughs> yeah. So definitely the majority are failing. Uh, I think that like you need a lot of budget, a lot of time investment in order to make it happen and actually someone to do it in a full-time capacity. Not, you know, the founder that's sitting and trying to figure out like spending an hour or two every week and trying to make it work. Usually this is not happening and you'll need to spend a lot of money until it works. So that is not working. Obviously, you know, content is something that we all kind of preach here in the WordPress ecosystem, uh, but it's a long-term game and um, today it's harder to do that. You know, there is so much content. And now with AI and ChatGPT and just like, you, you don't know where it's going, you know, it, it's already exploding. And like, I, I can tell, you know, from our perspective in Freemius, we're investing tons of resources into content and we're not getting, you know, the, like the amount of eyeballs that the content deserve because mm -hmm. their, the attention span is not there. Right. So this is why we moved into video. So this is like a tip that I would say video, you know, if I would need to choose these days, what to start with, I would probably start with video and then move to content a second or take the video and, you know, just, uh, basically change the medium to content and not that way, you know, content to, to video. Um, definitely video is already the past. It's not kind of future. Uh, and I think, you know, companies that are, uh, playing hard in video, they have competitive advantage. Um, I'm not sure if this is like a marketing tip, but, you know, optimizing your pricing page, uh, I think is something that it's an opportunity that I would say 90% of the products that I'm seeing are not capitalizing on, you know, they're like knowing practices of what to do in pricing pages and so many people are ignoring those. And this is like one of the usually right. One of the pages that has the highest traffic on our website and people are missing that opportunity. Um, 
I'm not seeing enough companies that are doing like success stories in our space. Uh, they're investing time, like, especially if you have like a, you know, a plugin, a theme, usually you have a bunch of customers, right? Yeah. So it's, it should be relatively easy to get them, you know, to do like success story, to, to explain what is the case study, right? Like who they are, what they do, do some profiling on the person. Uh, it's also relatively cheap content, I would say. Not cheap because it doesn't have value because you are relying on existing. You don't need to come up with a story, you know, the story is there. You just need to write it. Um, so those are the things, you know, that come to my mind. I love that. And a pro tip for you out there listening, we do case studies. We start by interviewing the person on our podcast, which then gets all the raw material. And then we can write from there and kind of get the two birds in the sense that we get the, the video, the YouTube, but then we get the raw materials. Cause if you just email a customer and you're like, Hey, I'd like to do a case study. Can you answer this like 30 question questionnaire? It's a lot of work to them, but getting on a call for 30 minutes or an hour, they'll, they'll, they'll tell everything. And then it's on you to, to write it up. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, you know, another benefit of mixing video and written content is SEO. You know, when you, when you place the video on the same page, like close to the title, usually Google picks that up and it also increases exposure in uh, the search engine results page, uh, because you see the thumbnail of the video, um, and you know, you can optimize the, uh, for SEO, the title of the video as well, et cetera, et cetera, but definitely something that, you know, worth doing those case studies. If you were to kind of go rapid fire and, and list off like five to 10 things a software company could do to optimize their pricing page in general, what would those, some of those items be? We, we actually, uh, <laughs> written a, a blog post about that. They call the pricing anatomy, okay. uh, which covers, I think like 20 items. Oh, awesome. And we'll link that up in the show notes, but what are the highlights there? Awesome. We we also provide like a blueprint actually that, you know, kind of covers every item. Uh, I think from the top of my hand. Okay. So one is people assume that if you land on the, uh, on the pricing page, you already know what is the product about, what is the value proposition, all of that. So I think many times you just get to a pricing page, you see pricing numbers. Right. And that's kind of scary if the person still didn't, you know, invest enough time to kind of research what you're doing. So I think, you know, mentioning what is the unique value proposition, a little short description of what your product does, uh, social proof, you know, how many people are like, how many websites, how many stores, how many, whatever, you know, give some kind of magnitude of how big and how can I trust you? Right. Uh, including also maybe some popular, uh, logos of brands that your specific niche is familiar with. So if you have some known customers, uh, that's worth mentioning, definitely do that. Include some quotes also from people that maybe are influential in your industry. Uh, and when I say in your industry, I'm not saying that if you're a plugin developer, then put, you know, another plugin developer that's saying something you know, good about your product, unless 
your product is for other plugin developers, right? Find someone, let's say you're selling a solution for weddings, find some mega star, I don't know, uh, podcast or whatever in that industry and try to get them to say something good about you. Uh, that adds a lot of credibility. Um, adding a, those, uh, we're at four or three, how many are we're counting here? I, I, Let's get two more out of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, uh, getting like, if you have, uh, money back guarantees, make sure that you surface that, you know, and not down below, but actually put it next to the numbers. Like when people are seeing the numbers, I would say it this way, you know, it, it, like the pricing page, you want to take your potential buyer through a journey. Right. So you need to think about it as a journey and make sure that the UX, UI support that journey, telling some sort of story, you know, this is what we do. This is why you can trust us. You know, you don't worry, like worst case, you don't like something, you can get the money back. You know, this is the value that you get for those prices. Uh, you know, so, so basically think about it more as a journey and experience rather a details page. I love that. I just want to confirm what you're saying. I think our pricing page is our second most trafficked page, page on our website. So at Lifter LMS. So it's super important. After the homepage. After the homepage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, challenges with SEO and AI. What, what's your take on where we're going with AI and its impact on SEO and how should content creators think about the tool? in the context of trying to get traffic. Yeah, honestly, I'm like watching updates every week <laughs> and, it, and it's going crazy, you know, like, I don't know, it's like going to disrupt so many things, uh, that it's kind of hard to imagine the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would say that anyone who is in technology and the web, like you should start playing with AI, you should start mm -hmm. feeling the product, see what you can do, like. Uh, it's kind of funny, but I'm, I'm founding myself spending more time talking with chat GPT than with my, my wife, which is kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm discovering like new use cases and things. Oh, let's try, see if it can help us, you know, and, and it, 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 it is like, the more we use it, like the more we realize that it, you know, it's going to save us so much time and already saving us a lot of time. Uh. I don't know. It's, it feels that there's going to be explosion in any type of content because if you can generate it, you know, by just giving some instructions and, uh, I'll give you an example of how we started to use it for plugin FM. So in the beginning, we were doing a lot of research about the interviewees, um, and writing, you know, very like, uh, handcrafted questions that are specific for every person and creating like a, narrative and story for every episode that, you know, will make sense. Uh, and there's a lot of investment going on to that. And then we realize, let's see if we can, you know, produce that level, you know, that quality level with chat GPT and it's amazing. You know, I mean, it does require like half an hour, maybe an hour to feed in the information about the person, about their company, about the podcast, like what we're trying to get there the narrative that we want to hear, but it, it, it like does it on the spot, you know? So it, 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 it's maybe an hour of work, 
So there is still work to get it done right, but otherwise it can take, you know, four, five, six hours plus reviews here and there. So uh, I think it's definitely a tool that we all should start exploring and using in any content efforts. Like it's so good in copywriting. Like ChatGPT is amazing in copywriting. Um, yeah, I'm starting, you know, <laughs> to it's mumble a big topic. About yeah, it's, yeah, a, big it's topic. a big topic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Um, switching gears completely. What's your story of becoming an entrepreneur in the WordPress community? Like you kind of popped on my radar. I, uh, I think I first met you at WordCamp US in St. Louis or, or somewhere else. Um, I can't remember exactly. You've where. been to our party in St. Louis. I remember. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I'm aware of freemius. I know a lot of people that use it, but how did you get into this whole scene? Yeah, I've been doing startups for like 13, 14 years. Okay. Uh, and, uh, around 2010, uh, I was doing like a, a hobby thing, something computer vision. And I wanted to, uh, write a blog just to share kind of my findings and what I'm learning. And as part of that, I built some web widgets. Okay. And I didn't write the blog in the end. I was not aware about WordPress. I, I was like very developer, you know, if something needs to be developed, I'm just developing that, like writing the code behind the scenes. Uh, so I developed this widget, uh, as a side thing, uh, I've been super busy with my startup, but I published it to the world, created a website and people started to using that, um, start to receive feedback. And I start to get requests. Hey, maybe you should wrap it because it was like a SaaS and you need to inject like JavaScript to your website to make it work. Uh, and people start to ask me, Hey, Vova, you know, please create a plugin for WordPress. Please create a plugin. Like I'm busy guys, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, it's a side thing. Uh, and then after I heard enough, you know, I, I said, let's check what WordPress is, you know, and this is how I got kind of exposed to the whole WordPress ecosystem. Uh, I ended up building a plugin uh, for WordPress and then a bunch of plugins, apps, whatever, to to various set of solutions like Shopify and Wix. I think I was actually one, maybe the first app on the Wix app store um, and for many others. So I kind of, you know, had the feeling and understanding how those ecosystems are working of like extensions uh, in those marketplaces. And then, um, uh, I was still with my startup, but then I, I, uh, I left the company in mid 2013 and I decided to see what's happening with this widget that I have here. And I realized that I have a lot of users and maybe I can do something with that. So I started to grow that actually thought about turning that into an ad tech company. I was living in New York back then, start to meet investors, talk with, uh, founders of big companies add this, share this, uh, share a whole leak, all of those. I, I was in that space. Uh, but then I realized that ad tech is not my cup of tea. Uh, and I prefer to work on things that actually create value rather than the entire, you know, like retargeting and all this stuff that didn't feel kind of exciting for me. And I turned that into uh, a subscription, uh, freemium solution and it worked pretty well. And then it kind of hit me that it took us to build the entire kind of converted into a commercial solution, like 10 times more than what it took me to build a 
the widget itself. You know, the widget is something that I, as a developer, build like two weekends of my spare time. But then to build the entire like commercial infrastructure, it was me and another two guys and it took us a year. Wow. Right. So this like huge disproportion between the time kind of got me to realize, okay, something is wrong here. You know, it shouldn't happen this way. And this is how we kind of started with Freemius basically. Uh, and the idea was to create something that people like me, you know, will be able to transition from product to go to market in a matter of minutes. This is how Freemius started, basically. That's awesome. Briefly in there, you mentioned freemium. What are your thoughts? And we were talking about pricing. What are your thoughts on free or freemium in, in a pricing model for a business? I have many of them. Okay. <laughs> Good or there's bad or both? And there is an article about that, you know? Okay. Uh, so, so I think uh, there's no good or bad. It's just different models. I think if you are new and you're just starting out with something, it's easier to start with freemium uh, because people don't know you yet. And like you need to get some distribution and the easiest way to you know, get people to know you somehow is to offer them something for free to try it out. On the other hand, right, if you're Google or Microsoft, that's the other extreme. Like you already have well-established brand company, distribution communities, all of that. So you don't have to go that route. Uh, so I would say that it depends on your background. What are you trying to achieve? What is your business model? Uh, and then you can choose, you know, go with freemium or premium, but obviously free is great because, you know, it helps you to get a lot of feedback. Like the, the benchmark of freemium, uh, software sales on the web, it's like between 1.5 or 1% to 2%. Meaning that if you go with freemium, right, you have another 98% that potentially can provide you feedback. And you can learn from how they use the product, improve it, reshape it, etc. Um, and I'm seeing, for example, this is kind of something fresh. And uh, uh, what is this? Yeah, there is this uh, uh, Mac uh, uh, client for Gmail called Mindstream. And they've been running for free for three years, right? Learning, improving in beta mode. And they just launched their like paid version. It's paid only right now. So they just transitioned from free to paid only. Everyone been using, and it's pretty cool because, you know, they got like, I don't know, 200,000 like free users hooked, been using that platform for three years. And now they're like requiring everyone. They do offer you know, like 14 day trial, but now they're suddenly transitioning to, to paid only. I'm sure they're going to lose a bunch of, you know, users on the fly, but that's also an interesting kind of approach, you know, running for free. Don't transition it completely to premium after you get to a certain level of maturity. Awesome. Let's look into the future. We've kind of looked into the past a little bit. Uh, where do you see WordPress going? You know, we've talked about AI. We've talked about, um, you know, how fast things are changing, but also WordPress has been around for a while. Where, like, we just celebrated 20 years. Do you have any vision for the next 5, 10, 20 years for what? the opportunity or challenges of WordPress are? You know, I, I was uh, this week in uh, a conference called Press for Web in Israel. Okay. And it was, it's called Press for Word previously, which is like the biggest 
Israeli WordPress-related event. It's not a WordCamp. It's like a commercial Sorry. event. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we've been talking about the stuff. I like I'm friends with Elementor founders and uh, and Miriam, and we've been talking about this because we are like we don't know, you know, and we're kind of concerned with everything that happened with AI. And also, I don't know if you uh, watched some of the stuff that happened in the human-made AI conference that happened. I watched some of that. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's clear to me that, you know, AI will will integrate closely with what's happening in WordPress. I'm also seeing, you know, that in the past few months, we have dozens of new plugins that related to AI and new one coming every day, selling on the platform. Uh, and I think it will become much easier to create websites. Uh, Which is great, using, right? It's fantastic. It's making more, you know, things more accessible. Um, but I'm also a little concerned because, you know, that new audience that we're trying to bring in and maybe AI will bring in that they're not necessarily familiar, you know, with the WordPress backend and the WP admin and all those technical things. Also, yeah, full uh, all this stuff, and, and it feels that they're like currently multiple experiences that you have to be familiar with in order to be able to use WordPress. Uh, so I think you know something need to consolidate. I mean, it's clear that you know. The leadership of WordPress is betting on the, you know, Gutenberg, uh, the visual editor and all of that. Uh, and yeah, I think that like right now th there is like this, there is the visual editor, which, but those, you know, people who are not technical want to work with, right? The Wix kind of audience, the Squarespace audience. But then in order to access it and use it and modify it, you still need to be the technical WP admin guy, right? So there is some mixture. And I think, I hope that there will be like two modes, I would say, you know, easy mode the and pride, exactly yeah. something like that, the AI mode, easy mode and technical <laughs> mode. <laughs> uh, so just some thoughts, you know. I have no clue what's going to happen. Uh, I hope WordPress will keep growing with a no. It is a little concerning that it's, you know, stagnating right now. Uh, but it makes sense. You know, there are new platforms coming in. I, I, I think that also WordPress will need at a certain point to, I mean, it's one of its powers, the backward compatibility, but it's also, you know, one of its weaknesses because we always kind of slower than other platforms, other solutions that are, you know, especially if they're a SaaS, that they can just deploy features very quickly. And they don't need to hold like entire community on their back, an entire like plugin ecosystem. And it, like there are a lot of things happening in WordPress. Um, I don't know, we'll see. I hope the community, you know, will win. That's usually what's happening with WordPress. Uh, and we'll figure it out. Do you have any thoughts around uh, the open source nature of WordPress and AI and how those come together in the sense that, you know, the WordPress code is open, but a traditional software company, the code is closed, it's proprietary or it's hosted somewhere. So how can AI and WordPress, those two things work together and open source work together? 
Man, you are asking hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a hard question, but I think it's a really important one for the next five years. And I'm still trying to wrap my head and get into that too. I, I know it, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think and hope that AI will help with security mm -hmm. when it comes to WordPress. Uh, maybe like automation of various things. Uh, the reason I mentioned security is just because it's like one of those weaknesses in our ecosystem because of all the moving parts and, you know, the review process that there's like one person barely that reviewing plugins that go to the repo while you have the entire community that is trusting that repo. Even there, you know, there's no proper review of anything that's happening there. Uh, Again, I'm not, you know, pointing any finger at something. It's just very kind of tiny group. There's not a lot of resources. So I think that in general, even though it's kind of against the ethos of, you know, what Matt is pushing, the community, there needs to be some money paid to people, you know, and it can be completely kind of Volunteers driven, even though I know there are like many volunteers that are actually paid employees and sports sponsored by companies. But I think the attitude is different, you know, and I, I don't know how those companies actually like evaluate the performance of those employees, right? Because in the end, there's a limit into what they can do because it's not really up to them. There's like a whole community that needs to agree on things. Uh, I mean, it's, we all know that. As, small, as a smaller an organization and a team, the more efficiently, quicker, better you can move, make decisions. And right now, I mean, it's great that there's a lot of discussions and thinking, but I feel that there is like missing this like SWAT team, you know, the WordPress ecosystem that can move faster and make decisions. You still need to involve the community and understand the dynamics and but right now, I feel that there is like too many kind of people involved in processes. Uh, and this is kind of slowing us back a little. It has nothing to do with your question, probably about the AI. <laughs> well, it all matters. It all works together. I appreciate yeah. what you're saying there. Yeah, these, these are going to be interesting times uh, for sure. And one of the things I'm excited about is for, I'm not a coder or a developer myself. A lot of people don't know that. But this is why you're making money, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, to your point. But and I'm I'm going to tie it in my to my last question, which is about what you see inside teams of successful companies. But I just wonder with WordPress and AI, can non-developers like me, which is the whole reason I kind of got into WordPress in the first place, is ah, oh, I can build a website, and I kind of fell in love with WordPress and became a power user, but I'm not a coder, and I've done amazing right. things with it, but also in great partnerships with other talented people and developers and designers and all that stuff. Um, but can AI further amplify what power users can do? I find that question really interesting. Um, I was impressed with, uh, for example, you mentioned the human-made AI conference, the, the demonstration of what Cadence is doing with AI for websites I thought was really cool for someone like me who's a power user. I'm like, or as an agency person, like, okay, we're going to talk to the AI and explain what the business is and the template's going to start writing copy and inserting images that are relevant and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. So I don't know. That's, that's something I'm excited about 
Any other thoughts about that before we move on? I think that AI is like a superpower. You know, yeah. if you're a marketer, it can help you with your weaknesses, which is technical stuff. So I don't know if you saw like Elementor's demo, right? Let's say you're a marketer and you, like you are editing a page and now you want the title to look in some way that you can really configure in Elementor, right? So you can just tell the AI, explain how you want to make it look and it can produce the CSS for you. So you can plug it in. Or if you want to write some custom capability right, in PHP, and you don't know PHP, you can go and use ChatGPT for this small stuff. Uh, another example, our video editor, who's not a developer, is now creating different scripts because many of those like video editing tools, you can actually code, you know, create some things that are like repetitive stuff uh, and code. So he started to like code for video editing. Nice. On the other hand, if you are a developer and you're not a marketer, not a copywriter, now you can create a website and use AI to superpower your lack of, you know, copywriting capabilities. I want a title that it's snappy, it's cool, whatever that talks about this and that, and, and it can help you. So it's like a super, super friend, you know, that it's there yeah. to help you succeed in different tasks. Uh, I love that. My last question for you, Vova, we've talked a lot about community, but if you look at the community inside of a business or a company. What, what do you see that makes a great team in your experience as an entrepreneur, but also in your observation of successful, um, technology companies, small ones, let's say Indies, you mentioned like engineer and sales marketing kind of, those are two kind of critical roles, business, business and engineering. But if you were to expand it out to, let's say, uh, you know, five to six, seven person team, what kind of roles mix do you see really working these days? Yeah, it's another tough one, I would say. Uh, I think, again, it depends on kind of your industry and your product and, you know, many other things. Uh, I think let, let's leave the roles aside for a second. Like you, you have to have quality people that care and that are leaders. And what I mean by leader is not necessarily leading other people, but they can lead processes. They are proactive. They care, you know, they are starting initiatives. Uh, so I think this is the key, you know, in having a great team. Uh, and obviously there should be some cultural fit, right? People that believe in the same values and working, understand the mission of the company. That's also very important. And being, you know, believing in that mission, actually, when you're starting the day, that makes a big difference. In terms of the roles, um, like you said, there is the engineering, you know, if, obviously if you're building a software product, you need to have proper engineering in the level of what your product needs, uh, business, whether it's, you know, marketing or something, uh, in that space, you want to sell your product. So you need business people. I think design is critical because branding is really important for any company. Um, we have design. If you are. In a content space, when it comes to marketing, SEO, uh, today it's like more important than ever because just by writing content and like, like for many years, my approach to content was let's write quality content, you know, self-working. <laughs> I mean, it's great. You know, people appreciate that, 
but it is not getting exposure, not enough exposure. So you do need to do the proper research and use the tools and it's always, you know, stay up to date on what's happening. Uh, so SEO is another role. So we are four right now. Um, I mean, if it is, it depends if you as a, if the business guys can, is also a finance driven or not, but you know, it's a business, so it makes money and someone need to count the numbers. You know what's happening in the company and budget and things like that. Uh, so I'd say that's another role. Um, yeah, but you know, depends on your size of your, you know, customer base, what is your product where it's B2C, B2B, how big is the ticket that you're selling? Uh, you know, if you're selling products for thousands of dollars per year that maybe you need Obviously, customer support, I totally forgot. <laughs> and that's essential, obviously. You need to support your audience. Uh, but maybe you need, you know, like uh, success managers and things like that, account managers, uh, if the sales are bigger, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm going to throw one more bonus question at you. Since we're getting ready to meet up at WordCamp Europe, how do you, as an entrepreneur, indie maker, think about going to a conference like that like what do you what's your goal at a conference how do you operate at a conference yeah it's a great uh, question particularly at WordCamp. yeah yeah it, it actually evolved over the years uh when i was kind of new to the ecosystem um my primary goal was to go you know and meet as many people and tell them about freemius <laughs> right hand out business cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> exchange and you know connect and all of that expand my network and make sure that people know what freemius is yeah uh, today we're in a different position people know who we are so it's more about you know uh, increasing the depth of the relationships still meeting new connections new people um uh, i am like I'm spending a lot of time preparing for the conference, honestly, like reviewing all the attendees, you know, seeing who I want to meet, uh, what are the opportunities that are out there, trying to prepare as much as possible in advance. We're also having uh, our makers meet up, uh, which is something that, again, we're, you know, investing a lot of resources into. So inviting the people, getting the right crowd. So, you know, it's all like-minded and people enjoy uh, from the event, it's part of our branding, you know, part of what we do, like creating that community that helps each other grow. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's a lot of things that happening. Also, like in Bangkok, for example, we went there uh, with most of the team. So there are a lot of like team activities because we finally met, you know, we are like working yeah. across the globe from like a bunch of different continents. And it's the first time that we're seeing like we had a guy from Argentina. Two guys from South Africa, India, Philippines, like all, all over, you know, Israel. And uh, so it was pretty exciting. And we, we invested in like team activities because that was like uh, really important for us, obviously. So I would say it varies. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to meet as many people as I can kind of have meaningful uh, conversations with them, do a bunch of selfies. Right. Also on Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. I'm also volunteering this sign. So okay. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. For you out there watching, go to freemius.com 
Check out the Plugin.fm podcast. Can you tell us one more time what Plugin.fm is all about? Sure. So uh, Plugin.fm is a value-first podcast about business and product marketing targeted to lifestyle product makers and software companies. In every episode, we're going to uh, interview uh, a guest and focus on a single topic, dive into the, you know, the story experiences of the person trying to entertain, educate, and just have a great conversation for everyone to learn from. Awesome. So go check out plugin.fm. Vova, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us today. And I look forward to connecting with you in Greece. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.